baseball's biggest spenders couldn't buy tickets to October. Ben Lindbergh On Saturday night at T-Mobile Park, shortly after the Texas Rangers eliminated the Seattle Mariners from postseason contention, defeated catcher Cal Raleigh stood in a silent, sparsely populated clubhouse and took a big dump on Seattle's spending. Raleigh acknowledged the players' part in squandering what was, until an 11-17 September, a near 90% chance of making the playoffs. But he also called out ownership and the front office for failing to reinforce the Mariners' roster. You look over at the other locker room right there, and they've added more, in free agency, than anybody else, and you saw where it got them this year, Raleigh, said, referring to the victorious division rival Rangers, who, clinched, a playoff appearance with the win. The catcher continued, we have to do that to keep up. We've done a great job of growing some players here within the farm system, but sometimes you've got to go out and you have to buy. And that's just the name of the game. Raleigh later walked back his comments, but he was right, a more active winter or summer might have made the difference for the Mariners. After ending their 21-year playoff drought last season, thanks to a Raleigh home run, the M's made minor off-season additions, spending the second least of any team in the lead-up to opening day, upping their Fangraphs reported MLB payroll rank from just 22nd to 18th, and then dealing closer Paul Sewell to the Diamondbacks at the deadline. The Rangers, by contrast, followed up their record late 2021 spending spree by acquiring most of a starting rotation last offseason, which they then augmented at midseason with Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. They also added a closer in Aroldis Chapman, though the pitcher they gave up to get him, Cole Reagans, was one of baseball's best arms after his Royals debut. One of these AL West teams skimped and struck out, the other splurged and succeeded. The lesson seems clear. If you're going to make the case for spending as the name of the game in MLB, though, 2023 isn't the best year to use as an example. If anything, this season was defined by high-profile, high-payroll flops. The three biggest spending teams, the Mets, Yankees, and Padres, all missed the playoffs, as did the Angels, who also ran a top-10 payroll in their, probably, final, fruitless attempt to win with both Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The Cubs, who placed fifth in off-season spending, suffered a Seattle-esque late elimination on Saturday when they lost to the playoff-bound and perennially parsimonious Marlins. Even the Rangers ultimately lost the first-place position they held for most of the season, settling for the second wild card and edging out the M's by just two games, plus the season series tiebreaker. The Phillies, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Rangers, Braves, and Astros all topped $200 million in payroll, per fan graphs, but the other six of the 12 clubs that enter postseason play this week ranked among the bottom 14 teams. In July, I observed that the league was on track for an anomalously tenuous connection between spending and winning. Through the team's first 81 games, the correlation between payroll rank and winning percentage rank where minus one would indicate a perfect inverse correlation and one would indicate a perfect positive correlation in which winning precisely mirrored spending was 0.132, a nearly non-existent relationship. I noted then that the relationship between a team's payroll rank and winning percentage in the first half has little bearing on the relationship between its payroll rank and winning percentage in the second half, which suggested that the fact that the first half was wonky doesn't mean the second half will be wonky too. Well, it was wonky.
When the dust settled on Sunday, the full-season correlation stood at 0.112, a slight drop compared with what it was at mid-season. Typically, it's close to 0.4. If we simply look at the relationship between gross payroll and winning percentage, disregarding ranks, the picture becomes even clearer and the correlation even lower, 0.079. As the graph below shows, to find a lower correlation year, you have to go back three decades, to 1992, when the deep-pocketed Blue Jays won the World Series, but the rest of the top four teams by payroll, the worst team money could buy. Mets, the Dodgers, and the Red Sox finished fifth, sixth, and seventh in their divisions, respectively, and the high-ranking Yankees and Angels also scuffled. The only other lower correlation year in the sample, which extends to the dawn of free agency in 1976, is 1990, when, as I mentioned in July, the standings went topsy-turvy, providing a columnist's preseason question about buying championships with an October answer, not that year. Baseball's biggest spenders, the Royals, yeah, had a losing season, as did the Angels and Yankees. The lowest spending club, the White Sox, had the game's third best record, and the tight-fisted Reds beat the low-payroll Pirates to earn a World Series matchup with the A's, whom Cincinnati swept. Payroll's power to predict teams' fortunes has ebbed and flowed over the past several decades. In the early years of free agency, when payroll skyrocketed, the first movers that were willing to wade into the new market were rewarded with wins. That advantage wore off over the following decade, and the correlation between spending and winning faded further in the mid-1980s, when owners conspired to stop spending. In the late 1990s, big spenders dominated, which inspired panic about baseball economics and led to increased revenue sharing. Over the past dozen or so years, the connection between payroll and winning has tended to be weak, perhaps in part because embracing sabermetrics and data-driven development has helped some clubs ball on a budget, but from year to year, the correlations are still subject to sizable swings. Just last season, the link between spending and winning was abnormally robust. https colon slash slash call to the pen dot com slash two zero two two slash one zero slash zero six slash MLB dash relationship dash money dash winning dash two zero two two. Although, some have suggested that the new rules' impact on base stealing may have leveled the league's playing field and boosted teams like the Orioles, Diamondbacks, and Reds at the expense of older, pricier rosters, the correlation between stolen base value and winning was even lower than the correlation between spending and winning. One somewhat more persuasive reason some teams didn't get the usual bang for their buck this season despite growing payroll disparities was a fairly low return on a record investment in free agents. The charts below, which date back to 1991, show the combined baseball reference war produced by the top 25 free agents of the preceding offseason, by total contract size, plotted against the cumulative dollars committed to them, adjusted for inflation in MLB spending. The GIF alternates between versions, with, and, without, international free agents. Both samples exclude the pandemic-shortened 2020 season and extrapolate the war paces for free agents in the strike-shortened 1994 and 1995 seasons over 162 games. This year's dots are red. Even with strong finishes by signees who had missed time or slumped early on, including Tree Turner, Xander Bogaerts, Chris Bassett, and Aaron Judge, this year's top 25 free agents produced 42.4 BWAR without international free agents and 44.8 BWAR with them, both below the 32 season averages of 47.0 and 48.0, respectively. 
That's especially underwhelming considering the unprecedented sum of nearly $3 billion that those free agents commanded during a winter of lucrative, long-term deals. HTTPS colon slash slash www.theringer.com slash MLB slash 2022 slash 12 slash 22 slash 2352591 slash MLB dash free dash agents dash long dash term dash contracts. Edwin Diaz, who signed a record contract for a reliever on the day free agency opened, sustained a season-ending injury in the World Baseball Classic. Would-be Rangers ace Jacob deGrom made only six starts, all Rangers wins, before tearing his ulnar collateral ligament. Carlos Correa, who agreed to terms with the Giants and Mets last winter before winding up back with the Twins, had his worst season ever as he played through plantar fasciitis. Carlos Rodon's first year in New York was an injury-delayed disaster, and Andrew Benintendi, Jameson Talon, Jose Abreu, Mitch Hanniger, Anthony Rizzo, Tyler Anderson, and Rafael Montero each failed to top half a win above replacement level. Although a few free agents may have made the difference between making and missing the playoffs Bassett for Toronto, Nathan Ivaldi and DeGrom for Texas, Turner and Taiwan Walker for Philadelphia, only eight of the top 25 signed with teams that qualified for the postseason. Justin Verlander signed with the Mets but was traded to the playoff-bound Astros and Josh Bell departed Cleveland to bolster Miami's middling lineup. The Padres believed Bogaerts would put them over the top, the Yankees thought re-signing Judge and Rizzo and adding Rodon would help them repeat as AL East champions, the Mets expected that re-signing Diaz and Brendan Nimmo, replacing DeGrom with Verlander, and signing Kodai Senga would deliver a second consecutive winning season, the Cubs wanted Dansby Swanson and Talon to hasten the end of their rebuild, the Giants hoped Hanniger and Michael Conforto would give them the thump they'd sought. From Judge and Korea, the White Sox, well, who knows what the White Sox were thinking about Benintendi. But the best laid plans of baseball teams often go awry. In some cases, injuries are clear culprits. According to Baseball Prospectus, the Yankees lost by far the most value of any team to players on the injured list, they also spent the most money on injured players. The Angels were second in the latter category and trailed only the always-deep Dodgers in games and days missed. The Mets always carried collapse risk because of their vaunted but mostly middle-aged rotation, that unit, projected to be baseball's second-best, was worse than only three bottom-dwellers rotations, the Royals, Rockies, and Athletics, from opening day through the day before Steve Cohen and Billy Epler pulled the plug and traded Scherzer. The Diamondbacks, Orioles, Jays, and Phillies, meanwhile, were among the sport's healthiest teams. If you want to win baseball games, it helps to be healthy. Granted, if you want to be healthy, it helps to be young. Injuries sometimes stem from and expose problems with roster construction, usage, or training, any or all of which could apply to the Yankees, Mets, and Angels, though, to paraphrase Freud, maybe, sometimes a torn UCL is just a torn UCL. Even constant contenders like the Yankees and Cardinals have occasional off years, this year, they each happened to have one at the same time. For the Yankees, of course, the worst-case outcome is 82 wins. Please pray for Yankees fans at this difficult time. HTTPS colon slash slash www.theringer.com slash MLB slash 2023 slash 10 slash 2 slash 2389983 slash new dash irk dash Yankees dash failure dash Aaron dash Boone dash Brian dash Cashman dash hell dash Steinbrenner dot. Speaking of 82 win teams, the Padres deserve a separate postmortem. 
most of the teams that significantly undershot their projections, E-White Sox, Cardinals, Mets, Angels, and Yankees, actually played poorly. It may be a bit of a mystery why their players didn't do better, but given those performances, it's easy to see why their records weren't better. The Padres are a different, even more confounding case, in most respects, they played like a playoff team, but in the end they weren't one. The Padres won 20 of their last 27 games to finish a hair above .500, at 82-80. Even so, they finished 10 games below their, expected record, of 92-70, derived from the fact that they outscored their opponents by 104 runs, the third-highest run differential in the NL, behind the Braves and Dodgers. That's the 29th largest gap between expected and actual wins of any AL or NL team ever, and the 8th largest among teams that finished at least .500. Pretty good, but should have been better. Year. Team. Actual wins. Pythag wins. Difference. 1905. Chicago Cubs. 92. 105. 13. 1911. Pittsburgh Pirates. 85. 97. 12. 1906. Cleveland Naps. 89. 101. 12. 1904. Cleveland Naps. 86. 97. 11. 2014. Oakland Athletics. 88. 99. 11. 1911. Chicago White Sox. 77. 87. 10. 1972. Baltimore Orioles. 80. 90. 10. 2023. San Diego Padres. 82. 92. 10. The Padres' struggles get stranger. If you just scanned the squad stat lines, you'd think San Diego must have had a stellar season. Blake Snell will likely win the NL Cy Young Award, and four other Padres, Hassan Kim, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Bogaerts, joined him in posting 4-plus B-War. In AL-NL history, 332 teams have boasted five or more players worth four-plus batting or pitching war. Collectively, those teams have amassed a .596 winning percentage. The Padres are one of only 16 such teams to finish at .506 or below. We can place the Padres in an even smaller club than that star-studded, not-so-sweet 16. They also joined an even more exclusive list of 171 AL NL teams with four or more players who amassed five or more war. Those teams collectively won at a .594 clip. The Padres are the fifth to finish at .506 or below. Worst teams with four plus five plus war players. Year. Team. Record. Count. Players. 1998. Mariners. 76-85. 4. Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, Jamie Moyer. 1920. Browns. 76-77. 4. George Sisler, Urban Shocker, 
Dixie Davis, Baby Doll Jacobson. 1963. Cubs. 82 to 80. 4. Dick Ellsworth, Ron Santo, Billy Williams, Larry Jackson. 1967. Phillies. 82 to 80. 4. Jim Bunning, Chris Short, Tony Gonzalez, Dick Allen. 2023. Padres. 82 to 80. 4. Blake Snell, Hassong Kim, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. How can a team outscore its opponents by such a wide margin and still languish under 0.500 from early May until the last weekend of the regular season? Easy, it can have truly terrible timing. Actually, it isn't easy for any team that's trying to win, as the Padres appeared to be, to scatter its runs so suboptimally. It's incredibly hard. It's ironic that the Padres won their 162nd game by a one-run margin in the 11th inning because they spent most of the season losing improbably often in both one-run and extra-inning games. They went 9-23 in the former kind of contest, and when close games went to extras, it was out of the frying pan, into the friars, the pads compiled a record-tying 0-12 record in extras until they won two of their final four games in the 10th and 11th. All told, they went 10-28 in one-run or extra-inning games, without double-counting one-run games that went to extras. Among more than 2,600 teams that have played at least 20 close games in a season since 1901, the Padres' .263 close game winning percentage is sixth worst, after the 1935 Braves, .175, the 1916 Athletics, .239, the 1937 Browns, .250, the 2008 Braves, .256, and the 1999 Royals, .260. The thing is, all of those teams were way worse than the Padres overall. In their non-one-run, non-extra-innings games, the Padres went 72-52. The outcomes of one-run and extra-inning games are highly luck-dependent, but they aren't entirely random, terrible teams are still more likely to lose them than they are to win. The Padres weren't a terrible team, except in close games. The gulf between their winning percentages in close and non-close games, 0.317, is the fourth largest since 1901, behind only the 1948 Indians, 0.355, 1935 Yankees, 0.344, and 2021 Rays, 0.329. The Padres accomplished these inefficient feats by being incredibly unclutch, especially on offense. By Fangraph's Clutch score, which dates back to 1974, the Padres were the second-least clutch team on record, beating out only the 2016 Twins, who lost 103 games. And, per baseball reference, their OPS in high-leverage situations was only 76% as high as their overall OPS, the eighth-worst relative mark, in a full season since 1901. This year's Royals, who were both bad and unlucky, were tied for sixth-worst. The Padres' OPS in extra innings was 40% of their overall OPS, though extra inning samples are so small that they were only 43rd worst of all time. They were tied for 19th worst in late and close situations. Pick your Padres' split poison. Perhaps the Padres' lousy luck was more than that, it could have been partly a product of organizational dysfunction or a lack of leadership or effort, as some Padres' postmortems alleged before the team belatedly found its rhythm or regressed to the mean. 
Then again, losing breeds bad vibes, and it's tough to watch a team come up empty at important moments so many times without perceiving something more than pure chance at work. Heck, it's hard to play on a team that keeps coming up empty without feeling responsible, in August, Soto, said, the Padres sometimes gave up when they were losing, though he soon, retracted his statement, https colon slash slash www.si.com slash mlb slash padres slash news slash padres dash news dash one dash soto dash regrets dash statement dash made dash about dash teammates dash quitting dash ml0802. Historically, however, there's been little consistency in teams' results in one-run games either, within seasons, wbaseballperspectus.com slash news slash article slash 51313 slash flu-like symptoms one-run games and in-season variants slash, or, across, wbaseballperspectus.com slash news slash article slash 47752 slash flu-like symptoms one-run games and blowouts part one slash seasons, wbaseballperspectus.com slash news slash article slash 47854 slash flu-like symptoms one-run games and blowouts part two slash, and for what it's worth, the Padres, weren't, wfangraphs.com slash leaders slash. Major League? POS equals Allen stats equals Batandal equals NL percent two Kalanquil equals zero antype equals three and month equals zero and and equals one antim equals zero percent two Xandris equals and age equals and filter equals and players equals zero and start date equals and end date equals and sort call equals eleven and sorter equals a scan equals fifty and season one equals twenty twenty two and season equals twenty twenty two unclutch decom slash sharing slash cn zero yn last year know which team recorded the best record in close games last year? Yep wbaseballperspectus.com slash news slash article slash 85513 slash veteran presence Padres 2023 slash the Padres 33-17, the Mets, Angels, and Giants have already dismissed their managers in their quest for improved results, but Padres chairman Peter Seidler seems content. WMLB trade rumors com slash 2023 slash 10 slash Padres chairman Peter Seidler current leadership continues to have my full support HTML to keep his reportedly feuding see com slash 4919864 slash 2023 slash 10 slash 01 slash Padres Bob Melvin AJ Preller Juan Soto slash manager and general manager in place and hope the universe stops spiting his team some seasons, balls bounce, into, wyoutube.com slash shorts slash evih7dgj3e, umpires, wsandiegounion.tribune.com slash sports slash padres slash story slash 2023-09-04 slash padres Phillies Rich Hill Fernando Tatis Matt Waldron Trent Grisham Hassan Kim. Instead of down the line, at least the Padres finished, second, wbaseballreference.com slash leagues slash majors slash 2023 miscellaneous shtml, and league-wide attendance, naturally, behind the Dodgers, who would have won the West even if the pads had played. Up to their expected record, it seems like a long time ago that rival owners and execs were fulminating against the Mets, ccom slash 4026971 slash 2022 slash 12 slash 22 slash Mets Steve Cohen spending slash Padres, W Denver Post com slash 2023 slash 01 slash 28 slash Dick Monfort Rockies 500 ball in 2023 slash and other, free spending teams, ccom slash 3981523 slash 2022 slash 12 slash 08 slash MLB free agency winter meeting slash, breaking baseball or, for that matter, W San Diego Union Tribune. Com slash sports slash Padres slash story slash 2023-09-25 slash Padres payroll on Soto Nick Martinez Seth Lugo Michael Wachadet, since the Padres seem to be pioneering a, boulder.
Washington Post com slash sports slash 2023 slash 02 slash 23 slash San Diego Padres small market MLB peril slash way W San Diego Union Tribune com slash sports slash Padres slash story slash 2023 dash 02 dash 21 slash Padres owner Peter Seidler spring training Eric Gribner World Series to win. Would this be a bad time to mention that the Marlins, who finished two and a half games ahead of the Padres and won the second wild card, were outscored by 56 runs? Or that they went 33-13 in one-run games, the seventh-best one-run record since 1901, minimum of 21-run contests, a year after going 24-40? Much as small market owners, or those who aspire to be labeled as small market owners, may moan about competitive balance, spending hardly determines destiny in MLB. But for payroll to have almost no relationship to results, a lot of wacky stuff has to go wrong or right, depending on one's perspective. A lot of enchanting stuff has to happen, too, like, for instance, an MLB-wide youth movement that produced the second most war by rookie position players ever, helping the prospect-rich Orioles beat the odds and the projections and catapulting teams like the Reds, the Diamondbacks, and the Twins into contention. As miserly owners are well aware, rookies come cheap. In short, okay, maybe it's a little late for this to be short, the 2023 MLB season has already gifted and or cursed us with more than its fair share of unanticipated outcomes. Which has made it a wonderful warm-up for the, predictably unpredictable, chaos that's about to begin. Thanks to, Jeff Houston, Kenny Jacqueline, Zach Cram, and, Ryan Nelson, for research assistance. Sign up for the The Ringer newsletter. By submitting your email, you agree to our terms and privacy notice. You can opt out at any time. This site is protected by reCAPTCHA and the Google privacy policy and terms of service apply.